0: Good morning. morning. Let's go ahead and begin class with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so in need of your presence, your wisdom, your. Uh, peace in our hearts. As we see what's happening in the world, we are absolutely living in perilous and incredible times. Uh, we can see all around us the movements occurring that, that you have warned us about, and we ask that you will give us ever-increasing discernment. Prepare us to stand uh, uh, as Daniel and his friends stood in the face of uh, assaults against your kingdom, that we can stand with grace and with love and with peace and, and uh, shine brightly for your kingdom at this special time in history. We pray in your holy name. Amen. So we're doing Lesson 9, Rhythms of Rest in the Quarterly uh, Rest in Christ. And the memory text is, from Genesis 2-3, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because he in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. The first paragraph reads, Who can imagine what the acts of creation, light and darkness, oceans brimming with life, birds suddenly taking flight, must have been like? Uh, the, and the supernatural creation of Adam and Eve. We can't even begin to grasp how God did it. Yeah, who can imagine it? I mean, it's going to be incredible if we ever get to see God creating, and I think we might get to see that after the thousand years and after the final end, We might see him recreate the earth. That would be such such a, boy, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be exciting, isn't it? Yeah. So what does the Sabbath mean to you? How do you understand it? Freedom. Freedom. Oh, I like how you said that. We're going to unpack that. Obedience. Obedience. Uh, ha- have you experienced the Sabbath day? And it says in here, uh, the Sabbath is much more about being than doing. It says in the, in the next paragraph. Have you experienced the Sabbath day as a day to be, or rather as a day to do or not to do? Both. Both, Both. okay. Is, is the Sabbath relevant to our world today? Yes. Does the world need rest? <laughs> what kind of rest does God provide with the Sabbath? Peace. Spiritual peace, somebody said. Was the Sabbath made for man or man for the Sabbath? These are kind of rhetorical questions. You know the answers. It was made. But get your mind around this. The Sabbath was made. That means it had a beginning. And that beginning, we, were just, we just read it, was at the end of creation week of this planet. Meaning the Sabbath did not exist back in heaven when Lucifer began to rebel. Why is this important, especially to Seventh-day Adventists who value the Sabbath? Seventh-day Adventists have taught that the final conflict will involve the Sabbath in contrast to Sunday. Seventh-day Adventists often held this up as a test issue, a demarcation issue. But is it possible that the Adventist church has not fully and accurately represented how the Sabbath is involved and why the two days are involved and thereby has missed the real issue? Let's unpack it and see. Consider these comments from one of the founders of the Adventist Church, who is the key and core person who focused our attention on the importance of the Sabbath and contrast to Sunday at the end of time. This is from the book called The Great Controversy, page 582. The last great conflict between truth and error, the last great, that means the the final end issues, the last great conflict between truth and error is but the final struggle of the long-standing controversy concerning the law of God. Upon this battle, we are now entering a battle between the laws of men and the precepts of Jehovah, between the religion of the Bible and the religion of fable and tradition. And then in the books Prophets and Kings, page 625, the same author writes, There is no such thing as weakening or strengthening the law of Jehovah. As it has been, so it is. As it always has been, excuse me, it always has been and always will be, holy, just, and good, complete in itself. It cannot be repealed or changed. To honor or dishonor it is the speech of men. Between the laws of men and the precepts of Jehovah will come the last great conflict and the controversy between truth and error. Upon this battle we are now entering, the battle between not between rival churches. Contending for supremacy, but between the religion of Bible and the religions of fable and tradition. If the last great conflict is between between truth and error, is just the completion of the long-standing battle, which began where? In heaven, before the Sabbath was made. The long-standing battle over God's law, which has always been, and always will be. How can the Sabbath fit in? since the Sabbath wasn't a part of the original rebellion in God's law. It hadn't been made yet. And the law can't be changed. It always has been, always will be. It can't be updated or changed. So how does the Sabbath fit in? How did the angels in heaven before Lucifer rebelled view God's law?
1: And they think about it.
0: It was in their hearts. Yeah. So this is um, Mount, uh, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, 109. But in heaven, service is not rendered in a spirit of legality. When Satan rebelled against the law of Jehovah, the thought that there was a law came to the angels is almost an awakening of something unthought of. What kind of law cannot be weakened or strengthened has always been and always will be and is in force, but not thought of. (laughs) Yes, and again, I give the example of Newton when he discovered the law of gravity. He told his friends, hey, look, I discovered the law of gravity. You could see them going, wow, there's a law about that? I just thought that's how things worked. You see, that's how design laws work. That's God's laws, how reality works, how he built creation to operate. This is unlike human laws which are just made-up rules that require external enforcement. They must be posted. You cannot expect an intelligent being to obey a imposed or made-up law if you don't inform them of it. Even with your children, you have to inform them what the rules of the house are. You can't expect them to know. Those are made-up rules. That's how humans do it. That's not how God does it. So what did Satan do to attack the law of God in heaven? What did he do? From the book, The Desire of Ages, we read on page 761, in the opening of the great controversy, remember, we are entering the final battle. The last battle is just the completion of the... Long-standing battle over the law of God. And here we have in the opening, here's what happened. In the opening of the great controversy, Satan declared the law of God cannot be obeyed, that justice was inconsistent with mercy, that should the law be broken, it would be impossible for the sinner to be pardoned. Every sin must meet its punishment, urged Satan. Satan's arguments? When you break God's law, God must punish that's justice. What kind of law is that? That's human law. That's not God's law. That's imposed law that requires imposed punishments. This is the foundation of the long-standing conflict over God's law. Is God's law the type of law that requires him to inflict punishment? In other words, if God simply withheld his his power and didn't act out against us, we could live eternally in sin because sin doesn't actually hurt anybody. God hurts you for doing it. That's Satan's view. Or is the reality that when you break God's law, sin actually damages you, it injures you because you're breaking the laws of life. And unless the Creator intervenes to heal, to restore, to put His law in our hearts and minds, we suffer and we die. So God's interventions are not to punish sinners, but to heal and restore and save sinners. This is a difference, and it all roots in how you see the law. So how does the Sabbath day... Fit into all this. How did the Sabbath become sanctified or holy or set apart or different from the other days?
1: God created.
0: Bingo. It was made different. It was created different. How? What did God do on day one through six? He exercised power. We learn about God on day one through six that he's powerful. He's powerful. And if you have the idea in your mind that Satan is putting out there that God is a rule enforcer, an arbiter of right and wrong who inflicts punishment for disobedience, and then you've just seen six days of immense power, do you feel more peace or more anxiety and concern? A power? That's right. Satan's attack on, on, on God was never God was powerless and Satan has more power. And, and Satan challenged God to an arm wrestling contest in heaven to show he was stronger. This was never the question. The question was, can God be trusted with the power? He's an abuser of power. He hurts people. He doesn't do things. He uses power to punish. This was the argument. And so God, after exercising power, and not just exercising power willy-nilly, he exercised power to create a special world built upon the laws of love that everything in the ecosystems give in order to sustain life. And the more you give, the more you receive, just like when you breathe, the, the more you give away carbon dioxide and you, ta- you take in more oxygen and it just keeps going and you give life to the plants and the plants give life to you. Everything built on love and then two beings created in his image who could come together in love to create beings in their image and, and they were to govern the planet and all of this was a, as, as a revelation. He not, didn't just exercise power, he revealed how it works. And after doing this, what does he do? I rest my case. He rests. The Sabbath, he stopped using power. Day one through six, we see he's powerful. Day seven, we see the character and methods of the one who wields the power. That he presents truth and love and then leaves beings free. No more. You consider for yourself, I rest. It's beautiful. The Sabbath is evidence that Satan lied, that he doesn't use power to coerce. No pressure, no coercion. Come to your own conclusions. Hear the arguments. See the evidence. Think it through. Come to your own conclusion. You're free in my universe. The Sabbath is beautiful. So the Sabbath was made, and it's an evidence of design law, truth, presented in love, leaving beings free. Sunday becomes became a day of religious observance. How?
1: Church council.
0: (coughs) Legislation committee voted. Humans voted. They made it that way by legislation. Thus, it's a sign or symbol of imperial law, how humans govern. Design law, truth, love, freedom, Sabbath, it's a sign. Sunday, imposed law. And throughout human history, how has the Christian church, until it was restrained by human governance prior to its restraint, how did the Christian church treat Sunday And people regarding Sunday. If you didn't do what the Christian church said on Sunday, what happened? There was legal restriction and legal enforcement and inflicted punishments. It's a right, proper symbol of imperialism. If we accept the lie that God's law functions like human law, requiring judicial oversight and infliction of external punishments and death inflicted by God, what kind of a God is that? It's a Roman dictator. This saint's original lie in heaven, that God's law requires God to punish rule breakers. This presents God as a being other than love, who is the source of pain and suffering and death. That's the core issue in the two types of laws that you understand. The final issue is a resolution of this question. It ends over the same issue it began, a question over God's law. Those who value Satan's view of law and justice will use Satan's method to, of impose law and coercive enforcement on other people to get them to comply with their views. This is beastly, and it's the beastly system of revelation. And God gave us a sign to help us remember him, his methods, and his design laws. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 11 to 12. I gave them my decrees and made, the, made known to them my laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them. Also, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between us, so that they would know that I, the Lord, make them holy. The one who embraces God's design laws lives in harmony with God's laws, the laws upon which life is built. And the Sabbath was given as a sign That God is the one who makes us holy or sanctifies us. What do you understand that to mean? Do you understand it this way? The Sabbath is a sign to, to God of our obedience and right rule keeping, so that God recognizes us as choosing to obey His commandments, and thus He legally accounts us as righteous in heaven. Because Sabbath
1: breakers are the ones that killed Jesus. (laughs)
0: I think you had it right the first time. (laughs) Or consider this scenario. Is this how we understand the sign of the Sabbath? You're a prisoner of war. Or you're trapped behind enemy lines in a a war, war combat situation and you see someone flying the American flag, if you're an American, the Australian flag if you're Australian, the Union Jack if you're British, you see somebody from your side flying the flag. And maybe if it's like one of those old westerns we've seen on TV, you know, you see the flag, you hear the bugle charge. What happens in your heart when you see that? Courage. Courage. Hope. Hope. Do you hear God saying, remember my Sabbath? It is not a day for you to perform, to earn my grace, for you to work either for your livelihood or for your salvation. In fact, it's a day for you to rest. It is my gift to you. It is a sign from me to you that I built right into time so it can never be taken away. It is my sign to let you know that when you trust me, I will heal you, save you, deliver you from sin, restore you to righteousness by returning you to harmony with my eternal law of love. When the devil's forces are raging at the end of time, remember the government... And when the governments of this beastly system are attacking, when freedoms are being encroached, remember my Sabbath. I will heal you. I'm coming back soon. Do you see it as a flag? He controls time itself.
1: Also, we see the character of the one who made it in Jesus at the Last Supper in in, uh, John 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. All things, right? And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and washed his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel. So here is this same creator in the form of Jesus showing that with his power, all power, he served his disciples. He didn't say, okay, I'm in charge, kneel. You know, he was the one who knelt down, and every one of those disciples, not just Judas, but every one, denied him, betrayed him, deserted him that day.
0: So, I, that's beautiful. That's exactly right. Power was demonstrated in use by Christ to give to others, not to seek to over, uh, to, to dominate or control others. Well, well said. Thank you. Can you see these two methods of governing, imperialism, imposed laws versus design laws involved in Sabbath-Sunday question? Can you see that? Is this the only place you see that these two systems are at war, or could Satan actually advance his beastly system of imperialism and control without ever using Sunday? Yes. Yes. Well, listen, this is from thir- same author, thir- third manuscript release. Listen to what's written here. Be sure the Sabbath is a test question, and how you treat this question places you in either, either on God's side or Satan's side. The mark of the beast is to be presented in some shape to every institution and every individual. In some shape. In some shape. How is the Sabbath the test question of the mark of the beast presented in some shape? Is it merely what day you go to the week, uh, uh, go to the week, what day of the week you attend church and observe? Is that it? Or are these days symbolic, like flags? They stand for two systems, two types of laws. Does Satan care if a group of people worships on the Bible Sabbath as long as they're worshiping him? Was Satan disappointed with the Jews who crucified Christ because they wanted him off by sunset to keep the Sabbath? So disappointed. They just killed Jesus, but they're keeping the Sabbath. (laughs) The two days represent two systems, God's character methods and government, love, versus Satan's lies, imposed rules, coercion. These are the two things that are at war. Those who embrace God and his character and law of love open their hearts in trust and are sealed. What does that actually mean to be sealed? They have their hearts so settled into the methods of God, his character, his principles, and how they live and treat others via the work of the Holy Spirit. They have the law written on their hearts and minds. That's the sealing, being settled where you cannot be moved. It actually says in Ephesians 1.13 that uh, having believed you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. In uh, Ephesians 4.30, we do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit transforms our character to have the law and methods of God placed within. So these are the methods we apply in how we treat others. The lost are marked as beastly when Satan's law and methods are solidified in their characters and how they treat others. Review and Harold, July 13, 1897. The time has come for the true light to shine amid moral darkness. The third angel's message has been sent forth to the, to the world, warning men against receiving the mark of the beast or of his image in their foreheads or in their hands. To receive this mark means... Here's what it means to be marked by the beast to come to the same decision as the beast has done and to advocate the same ideas in direct opposition to the Word of God. It's a mind, method, motive, belief stance that you take. Do you take and embrace the methods of God in heart, mind, and character, and how you treat others? Or do you embrace the methods of the laws of the land, the laws of imperialism, in how you treat others? This is the issue at the end, of which the two days stand as signs or flags of two systems of governing. God's law of law versus Satan's imposed law. God's rule of law versus Satan's rule of fear and selfishness. God's design laws versus worldly imposed laws. It comes down to the methods one practices, and by practicing those methods, folks, you're choosing which God you worship and what character you develop. This is from the same author, Review and Herald, August 18, 1896. In striking contrast to the wrong and oppression, so universally practiced, were the mission and work of Christ. Earthly kingdoms are established and upheld by physical force, but this was not to be the foundation of the Messiah's kingdom. In the establishment of his government, no carnal weapons were to be used, no coercion practice, no attempt would be made to force the consciences of men. These are the principles used by the prince of darkness for the government of his kingdom. His agents are actively at work seeking in their human independence to enact laws which are in direct contrast to Christ's mercy and loving kindness. Prophecy has plainly stated the nature of Christ's kingdom. He planned a government in which no force would be used on his subjects. No oppression. Here's Satan's formula. Here's his formula. Here's how it works. He's the father of lies, so he tells lies that break the circle of love and trust. This incites fear and selfishness. The survival drives. Watch out for me. This results in seeing more threats. We're afraid now. We're insecure. So we see more threats. We go into threat assessment. Seeing threats and people could harm us, take from us, who are stronger than us, who might injure us and our family. We see more threats and this increases more fear, more need to protect self, which results in using power, might, force, control to compel and coerce and destroy those who we see as threats. So that we can feel safe. Do you see this happening in our world today with COVID? Real virus, but I can't tell you the lies that are being told. I'm going to show you some. This increases fear. Understand we're in a psychological war, a spiritual war for your minds and hearts, and there is an agenda out there to make you afraid. Because when you're afraid, you're willing to surrender liberty to be made less afraid. This increases the fear increases the survival drives. Now, in normal medical research, when an investigational treatment dies uh, is given and someone dies shortly after the treatment's given, do you know what the typical response is? Here's a treatment. We've given it, and a group of people die from it. You know what the normal response is to that? Shut it down and investigate.: Investigation. whether they shut it down or not. Uh, it depends on how serious, the, but and, and there's certainly investigation. And then if it's confirmed that this, in, this treatment is causing the death, then it's shut down. Autopsies are done. Autopsies of the deceased are done to see if, in fact, there's evidence that whatever treatment was given caused the death. Does that sound like, well, that's crazy thinking. Why should we do an autopsy on somebody? How dumb would that be? Or does that sound like, you know what, That's actually makes sense. You know, there's over 12,000 deaths reported in the government's own database as be- coming from the COVID vaccine. 12,000, over 12,000. Uh, I understand whistleblowers inside the CDC say the number's over 50,000 and they're suppressing it. I don't know if that's true. But we have 12,000 that they admit to. Why haven't they done autopsies in some of these? I mean, if they're really 12,000, do they want to know? Is it from the vaccine or some other cause? Wouldn't they do autopsies to determine? Billions and billions are spent on so-called stopping this illness. Why not just a little bit of money for a few autopsies to determine? Because maybe, is it possible they already know the answer and they don't want the evidence getting out? Well, one pathologist has done a few autopsies, on those who died after receiving the vaccine, he has tissue samples of the deceased that reveal spike proteins from the injections found bound to mitochondria in cells across the entire body, lungs, brain, heart, and other tissues causing inflammation and leading to death. He shows, I, I, I watched his video, he showed the past slides showing these uh, spike proteins bound to all these different tissues from individuals who uh, have died. Uh, is this just artifact uh, in these few that he did autopsies on? Or is this happening in a larger population? Does does his findings uh, can, uh, at least say we need to do more investigation? Why is the government not doing it? Yes.
1: But the argument is that 12,000 out of millions who are ex- vaccinated... Is not a good enough number to stop the thing. Without it, more people would
0: have died. That's the argument. Yeah, so did everybody hear that? Yes. Okay? Multiple problems with that argument. Multiple problems. And as I go through, I'll show you, show you more and more evidence of why that, that argument is completely fraudulent. First off, though, just on the, on the, on the grounds of medical ethics. Do we believe it is righteous to actively kill one to save two? Well, there's a child who has really healthy organs, and if we kill that child and carve up their body and send these kidneys and lungs and hearts to other people, we can save ten people with those child's organs. That would be a righteous act, wouldn't it? So the first argument is, yeah, we know it's killing people, but it's okay to kill them to save them. It's an immoral argument. That's not the principles that we live by. There's a principle in medicine, first do no harm. It's, the, it's a principle of non-maleficence, that whatever in, in, in interventions a physician makes, they, they should not make the condition worse or actively injure or harm someone. Second, that might be okay if we actively inform people ahead of time, your risk of dying from this is such and such as we know, blah, 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 blah. And the person in, with informed consent was willing to take the risk. But we're not giving that information out, first off. And it would it be okay to coerce and compel people to take something uh, that they don't want, knowing that some of them will die from it because we'll save others? So this whole argument, and it's also um, based on a false assumption that there are no treatments other than the vaccine, and the vaccine will be effective in stopping this, all of which I'm going to show you in a minute, are all false. So it's false assumption, false premise, false position, after false assumption, after false premise, after false position, leading to an immoral argument to condition you and your minds to be willing to justify killing some to save others. It's beastly. It's beastly. Yes, and, and the idea of calling it a vaccine, it's actually still an experimental injection or, or biologic agent. Okay, so thank you for bringing that up. So 12th, why, why are we not doing actual autopsies? The few that have been done show there's a serious problem here. One, uh, I told you about the... So, um, yes, I told you that. Okay, and I've got, the, I've got the links in the notes where you can go see all this information and, and data for yourself. Animal studies... Document that after injecting uh, the spike protein into the animal, it rapidly crosses the blood-brain barrier and binds to brain cells. Putting this together with the previous research I presented in lessons seven and eight, that the spike protein uh, in the brain uh, causes the increased accumulation of the various toxic proteins that are associated with Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, Lewy body disease, and spongy form disease. Uh, with the pathologist's report that he found spike proteins in the deceased's brains bound to the brain tissue, we have very good evidence to be very concerned that the vaccines are going to increase neurodegenerative diseases sometime three to five years or more down the road. Now, whether it will or not, we don't know, but there's evidence to suggest it's a serious risk. Are we informing people Of the serious risk to their neurobiology. We are not. Another pathologist reports that after vaccine, there's a shift in your normal immune spot where um, immune immune balance, immune cells, there's a shift where uh, CD8 lymphocytes are being Suppressed and not functioning normally, at least for a period of time. We don't know how long that goes on after the vaccine. Um, whether they bounce back or not, it hasn't been demonstrated, but there is a, a, a suppression of those. And the CD8 lymphocytes are your, your defenders and monitors of, of various things, uh, for instance, they keep in check chronic infections like the herpes virus. You may know chickenpox is the herpes virus. Okay. If you've had chickenpox, uh, once you've overcome chickenpox, the virus still lives in your in your spinal cord, and your CD8 cell keeps them in check. They're like prison guards that keep them from breaking out. If you have I- an immune impairment, then they break out, and you get something called shingles. And that's a breakout of the herpes virus because your immune system isn't holding them in check anymore. Um, there's data here that shows that, in fact, individuals after receiving the vaccine, their CD8 cells become impaired and they get these various herpes breakouts. I ac- actually have one patient who two days after her injection, she had a, um, a shingles breakout and had to isolate at home because of that. Um, so this pathologist actually did, did actually, though, Tissue samples on people who got it and documented the the drop in the CD8 response. Well, CD8 cells also are the ones that monitor your body for the outbreak of cancer cells and will kill cancer cells before cancer actually starts growing. And there's concern that the, the vaccines may increase cancer. And this pathologist says in the last six months he's seen in his path lab uh, because he keeps, docu- he keeps records for his entire career on the numbers of cancers that he sees in his PATH lab, and in the last six months, he's had a 10- to 20-fold increase in uterine cancers coming into his lab. Is that artifact? Is that related? There's science to suggest this could be a negative outcome and a risk. Why are we not investigating? Why are we not informing is it a 10 to 20 fold or 10 to 20 percent? 10 to 20 fold. Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that could also be 10 from the number of people who did not get screenings um, and take care of their cancer or elective procedures during 2020 when we were all locked down. We're seeing the outcome of...
0: Okay, so so what are one of the factors that contribute to um, uterine cancers? Isn't it papillomavirus? HPV, yeah. Yeah, HPV? And papillomavirus is kept in check by CD8. CD8 cells. CD8 cells become impaired. CD8 cells both uh, uh, combat the papillomavirus as well as um, actually killing the cancer cells as they arise. So when you put both together, it's not surprising that he's seeing. But you're exactly right. People also then stayed away because of the uh, the mandates to socially isolate and didn't get the same screenings. You're exactly right. So all these factors work together. So understanding... Let's understand something most cl- uh, very clearly here, folks. Most politicians are not interested in the health of their citizens. Amen. They're interested in power for themselves. I won't even go through all the human experimentations done in America by the U.S. government, whether it was the LSD trials or the syphilis experiments on black men. Uh, I won't even go through th- those abuses. Let's just remember what happened in America regarding tobacco. I'm old enough, and some of you are also in here old enough to remember, decades-long public debate, medical debate over whether cigarettes cause cancer and and heart disease or not. This debate raged through our society for several decades. The medical community argued back and forth for several decades. Doctors had historically prescribed tobacco smoke for treatments of illnesses. And then doctors and researchers published science articles denying an association of tobacco and uh, cancer and heart disease funded by the tobacco industry. These were scientific papers but the, fund, funded by the tobacco industry. Tobacco advertisements used to be on TV. Anybody old enough to remember those? But Congress eventually passed the law to ban them. Or are you thinking, wow, they were looking out for us? you think that's why they passed the law? Because they have actually woke up and said, oh, this tobacco was harmful to our citizenry. We care for our people. We want to protect them from injury. That's not what happened. What happened is the tobacco industry had their lobbyists in Congress lobby their congressmen, the ones that they had on the payroll, to ban TV ads. Why? Because the anti-tobacco forces had started raising enough money that they were spending dollar for dollar on uh, smoking cessation ads and the dangers of smoking with pictures of terrible cancerous lungs and all these different things on TV And it was having a huge impact on the income of the tobacco industry. So the tobacco industry lobbied their congressmen to stop the TV ads on tobacco. That's what happened. Because your congressmen really care about your health. They don't. They care about power. And then after the TV ads were banned, the tobacco industry sent their advertising money to billboards and other means to induce adolescents to smoke like Joe Camel. This is what happened. And did Congress step in and stop that? Oh, no. Do you think the political forces could be using COVID to their advantage to advance their power and control over you? That's what's happening in our society around the world. There's a debate happening right now. What's the best way to handle COVID? The majority of people, they want to be healthy. They want to be safe from the infection. They want their family to be safe. But the information being put out is contradictory, it's confusing, it's conflictual. The politicians use this to garner more power for themselves by inciting fear and instructing actual evidence that could heal people because they don't want you to actually get over this and think of this like the flu where you're aware of it but you don't live in fear of it. They want you to stay in fear because they want to restrict your liberties. That's why they suppress information. They're actively suppressing information. So let's reason through some things together. Something maybe you're more familiar with and how you're being manipulated. We're going to tie this back into the Sabbath. Think about the seasonal flu, influenza. For as long as any of us can remember, every year there's a new flu vaccine. Every year, a new one. Why? Why a new flu vaccine every year? Because the flu virus, the influenza virus, mutates. And the previous vaccine becomes ineffective against it. Such viral mutation is normal and expected. As the viruses replicate, various errors of uh, replication occur, which causes new strains to emerge. And and, and when the mutation happens to hit the area of the uh, the virus that the antibody was targeting, that virus now is resistant to those antibodies or the previous uh, vaccine that caused you to produce those antibodies because that area of the virus is gone now because it mutated. Thus, the previous year's vaccines become ineffective. The COVID vaccine causes the body to produce antibodies to the spike protein, a single site on the virus. Whereas the unvaccinated recovered have a much broader immunity with antibodies to multiple sites on the uh, on the virus, and the research shows that some of these antibodies are effective against. All strains, all 23 different variants of COVID, your recovered individuals have antibodies to kill. In the JAMA article I've cited, and it's here, it says that uh, two of the antibodies were ultra potent at tiny concentrations across all 23 of the variants the scientists tested, including the highly transmissible alpha, beta, and delta versions. Other studies document that recovered individuals have long-term immunity. This idea that was put out, oh, your immunity is only good for about six months. I just can't believe. I I, I just can't. It's propaganda. Here, think this through with me. You're actively infected, and your body is actively fighting, and so at the end of your infection, you clear it, you survive, because you just got over it, it's like at the end of World War II. How many soldiers did we have in Europe when the war was when when V Day occurred? We had millions of soldiers in Europe. Over the course of months and years, we pulled them out. We we sent many soldiers home. Did we get rid of our military? No. So over the course of months, when we have no more to fight, the body clears all of the ones necessary and reduces the levels, and the levels reduce over months, but they never go to zero. There's always a background level of these, and your T lymphocytes waiting, and they show with SARS-CoV-1, people 17 years later still have immunity. But because they document, well, here's your level now, six months later, the level's much lower Immunity goes away after about six months. This is ridiculous. It's not scientific. It's not true. Let me give you some evidence. So the vaccines target the spike protein, give you one antibody to one uh, area on the... Uh, and then what happens? The virus mutates. A new version like Delta comes out and the people who get the vaccine are not immune to it and they get reinfected. But the people who've recovered... Don't get reinfected. But what are they telling you? What are the expert opinions telling you? They're telling you the opposite of this, that the Delta is being driven by the unvaccinated. It's not actually true. It's the people who've been vaccinated that are causing the rise of, of the Delta because of the selective pressure that's occurring. Selective pressure, meaning they have antibodies that are attacking that one site, so if the, when it mutates and, and uh, a virus mutates and, and is no longer vulnerable at that site... That that becomes the one that replicates, and that's why these variants are coming out. Yes. How do we prove that? Oh, oh I've, I've got it's all in my notes. Yes, all these things are here. Are you gonna to touch on the animal reservoir uh, as well? N- no, but Okay, never mind. <laughs> so what would you say if the next influenza season the flu's coming? We're gonna have a bad flu. And we have some leftover vaccine from four years ago, and we're gonna give everybody a four year old vaccine. Would you think that would work well? Why wouldn't it work well? It worked well four years ago. No, it didn't. <laughs> uh, okay, come on. <laughs> That's not helpful. <laughs> but it's true. Okay. It's true. Okay. Let's just assume it worked well. Vaccines are, are what, 30%? Uh, okay. So, okay. You're missing the point here. You're missing the point. You're really missing the point. Okay, I'll play along. No, no. It would do you think it's okay so i wasn't arguing its level of effectiveness i was arguing do you think it'll still have that same level of effectiveness four years later once no, it's it'll mutated be worse than it'll, they're, thank you that's the point okay okay why wouldn't we give it because we know it will be less effective it won't work because it's mutated that's what's happening right now the, the the coronavirus has mutated to a delta version but what vaccine are they telling everybody you have to get and get more of it and more of it it's an old vaccine it's not going to work against it anymore or at least not as effectively. It's what's happening. Dr. Robert Malone, who helped develop this very science of mRNA, says that there is no way to vaccinate yourself out of a pandemic. That's right. That's right. Not necessarily by definition a pandemic. So people who have naturally recovered, though, and haven't received the vaccine, they actually are not driving the rise of these variants, but you're being told in the media that it's the unvaccinated that are doing this. Keep going. Evidence for this, a a small, fairly closed society, the island of Gibraltar, has 35,000 people, and they've administered enough vaccine doses to vaccinate twice, 116% of their population. Okay, that they, so so they've given more doses, more than two doses to, to to some people, meaning their whole population has been vaccinated, yet in July they had a breakout of Delta. This is not due to the unvaccinated. This is due to the vaccinated. A study at the Cleveland Clinic employees found that, quote, from the study, not one of the 1,359 previously infected subjects who remained unvaccinated had a SARS-CoV-2 infection over the duration of the study. So the recovered unvaccinated don't get reinfected. The vaccinated drive the the rise of the variants and get reinfected. But you're being told it's all the unvaccinated that are causing this thing to persist. And we need to force vaccination. Not only is the general media misinforming us, the professional media is also misinforming us. This week I received an email with a link to an article on MD Edge. I've got it in here. The article opens with, quote, The rising anger among vaccinated Americans comes as health officials are reporting huge spikes in new cases, hospitalization, death. Meanwhile, only about half of Americans are fully vaccinated, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The article goes on to cite President Biden's vaccine mandates for federal workers, then previous other politi- uh, and then various other po- politicians calling for mandates. It cites how various hospitals and businesses are, are requiring it. And then the article states, Experts say the 90 million unvaccinated Americans are most at risk from COVID and and have helped the new Delta variant gain a foothold and spread, posing a risk of breakthrough cases even in vaccinated people. This is in medical news. It's the opposite of what's happening. The vaccine provides very narrow protection, the unvaccinated recovered have a very broad, robust re- protection, and the, vac- the, uh, the virus can't mutate its way around the wide range of, of antibodies that a recovered person has. It mutates its way around the single antibody that the vaccinated have. Then the interview, then the interview person who's been vaccinated who says the following. In the interest of public safety, I believe the government and private businesses need to make life difficult for the unvaccinated. They should not be allowed to dine at restaurants, ride public transportation, attend concerts, or broadly be in spaces with large concentrations of people without passing a COVID test at the door.
1: (laughs) Buy or sell.
0: Can't buy or sell unless you have your mark. The article goes on to identify, this is in, in MD Edge, it identifies Christians as the largest group of holdouts resisting the vaccine. Christians are the enemy of the people. We must compel them. We must force them. The entire article, medical news website is a misinformation propaganda piece designed to split society into two groups, inciting fear in one group and identifying another group as an enemy of the state and justifying the use of force, coercion, mandates, restrictions, of liberties. Do you agree that we should force and coerce and compel the unvaccinated? Are you willing to join forces with the government to utilize these methods of coercion, force, intimidation on others to violate their consciences? Remember what I wrote? Is it only Sabbath Sunday? We're in perilous times. Remember the Sabbath Sabbath and what Sunday and what they stand for? Two systems of governing Truth, love, liberty, Sabbath, versus lies, imposed laws, coercion Sunday? Can we only recognize them on the days in which you carry your body to the various temple or church that you want to worship in? Or can we recognize it by what you put in your spirit temple? I'm going to read you some quotes from Ellen White, and I'm going to substitute Sunday enforcement, Sunday Sunday laws, with COVID, COVID laws, COVID enforcement. See how these read to you. There's four of them. They're all out of last day events. Well, the last one's out of the um, Bible. No, they're all last day events and the pages are in the notes. There are many, even in the, in the, in, there are many, even of those engaged in this movement for vaccine enforcement who are blinded to the results which will follow this action. They do not see that they are striking directly against religious liberty. There are many who have never understood the claims of the Bible laws of life and health and the false foundations upon which the COVID vaccines rest. That's the next, next quote. That was, um, when, when our nation shall so abjure, abjure means to renounce, <clears throat> so renounce the principles of its government to enact COVID vaccine enforcement, Protestantism will in this act join hands with Popery. Popery wasn't about differences of theology. Popery is a word to describe authoritarian rule, the use of the power of the state to compel and coerce enforcement in dogma. That's what popery means here. The Inquisition, the imprisoning, the burning at the stake. Protestants will throw their whole influence and strength on the side of the papacy by a a national act enforcing the vaccine mandates they will give life and vigor to the corrupt faith of Rome reviving her tyranny and oppression of conscience this is the issue folks tyranny and oppression of conscience is the issue the exact subject matter was never the issue two more Satan puts his interpretation upon events, and they think, as he would have them, that the calamities which fill the land are a result of the unvaccinated. Thinking to appease the wrath of God, these influential men make laws enforcing, mask wearing, business shutdowns, and vaccination. And one more. When our nation in its legislative councils, shall enact laws to bind the consciences of men in regard to their spirit temples enforcing vaccinations upon them and bringing oppressive power to bear against those who keep their spirit temples pure, the law of God will, to all intents and purposes, be made void in our land and national apostasy will be followed by national ruin. That's good stuff. Those who promote a God who acts like a Roman emperor, who imposes laws, who inflicts punishment, who coerce consciences, are actively promoting the system of the beast, even if they worship on the Bible Sabbath. There's actually on the CDC website uh, an entire um, description of building camps for the unvaccinated. Yeah, yeah. in America, folks, it, I'm telling you, this is the end time. Uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: How do you tie it in with, with the quote? I think it's in Great Controversy where, where she said that there's going to be a Sabbath reform. Uh,
0: I don't know the quote. I need to see it, so I'm not going to actually address that. You find the quote and come to me and we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, some of us may find ourselves called before courts, governing bodies, or other organizations to stand up for the principles of liberty just as the people of God have through all history. As I was preparing for the class this week, I came across another quote, and I found it compelling. This is the Councils and Health, page 503, and goes to 504. I have been surprised, and I'm going to give you some more data. I have been surprised at, at being asked by physicians if I did not think it would be more pleasing to God for them to give up their medical practice and enter the ministry. I am prepared to answer such an inquiry. If you are a Christian and a competent physician... Yeah, that's brilliant. You, you are qualified to do tenfold more good as a missionary for God than if you were to go forth merely as a preacher of the word. Ten times more good. I would advise young men and women to give heed to this matter. Perilous times are before us. The whole world will be involved in perplexity and distress. Disease of every kind will be upon the human family. And such ignorance as now prevails concerning the laws of health would result in great suffering and the loss of many lives that might be saved. While Satan is constantly doing his utmost to take advantage of men's ignorance and to lay the foundation of disease by improper treatment of the body, it is best for those who claim to be sons and daughters of God to avail themselves, why they can, of the opportunities presented to gain the knowledge of human systems and how to preserve it in health. And then, did you know? And I've got the articles referenced, so you can link to them and go see them. Did you know that a plant-based or pescatarian—that's that's, that's fish—is your protein source? Plant plant-based or pescatarian diet reduces moderate severe COVID outcomes by seventy-three <laughs> percent. Plant based or pescatarian diets reduce your moderate or severe COVID outcomes by 73%. Did you know that individuals with, and this is a quote, individuals with vitamin D deficiency were 80% more likely to acquire COVID infections as compared to those who had sufficient vitamin D levels? Unquote. What increases the vitamin D levels? <laughs> 20 minutes in the sun twice a day. What's one of the natural remedies? Fresh air and sunshine. Fresh air and sunshine. Did you know that research shows that oxytocin carries a special function in immunological defenses? Homeostate, immunological defense, homeostasis, surveillance. It suppresses neutrophil infiltration, inflammatory cytokine release, uh, activates T lymphocytes, antagonizes negative effects on angiotensin II and other key pathological um, events of COVID-19. Through all these mechanisms, oxytocin can block the viral invasion, suppress cytokine storm, reverse uh, lymphocytopenia, and prevent uh, uh, progression to uh, ARDS. ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome. Oxytocin can do all these things. I got the article here. You can see it. What increases your body's natural production of oxytocin? You get more of it. Love. Social connections. (laughs) Holding hands. Getting hugs. Being with your friends. Community worship, getting your spouse to give you a massage, it it does, it it increases oxytocin. It does, I'm not making it up. (laughs) Anything that increases our human relationships, positive human relationships and bonding increases oxytocin, gives us better immunity. What undermines oxytocin? Undermines your immune response, makes you more vulnerable. Social distancing and mask wearing. Social isolation. That's exactly right. Yes. Like
1: the Bible says, uh, what is it? Laughter
0: is the best medicine. <laughs> yeah, uh, Merry Heart doeth good like a medicine. Yeah, yeah. uh, there's a whole other thing I could do. That's exactly right. Merry Heart doeth good like a medicine. It improves your uh, immune response as well. Did you know that alcohol interferes with lymphocyte response and increases the vulnerability to infection? Within two hours, your lymphocytes do not work as well and you're more vulnerable to infections if you uh, consume alcohol. Yet, what did the government determine was one of the essential businesses to stay open during shutdown? Liquor stores. Liquor stores. So get your mind around this. Remember I said your government officials are not primarily interested in your health and well-being. There's your in money and power. Notice what they did. These are the decisions that the government made. But they keep telling you they're interested in stopping the spread. They made decisions to keep liquor stores open and they did not do anything even to try to educate on the damaging effects on your immune system of alcohol consumption at least to get people to voluntarily uh, reduce their alcohol consumption to improve their immune response and make them more resistant. They, have you seen ads uh, advertising for that? Nothing. Nothing. Why haven't they? They've required people to socially isolate and wear a mask which interferes with normal body immune response and undermines oxytocin response. They... Uh, suppress peer review, outcome-based studies that demonstrate an 84% reduction in hospitalizations and deaths when therapeutics are used. 84%. So your previous thing, well, we have to do this to say, no, if you do this, you reduce the actual hospitalization and death by 84%, peer-reviewed proven outcome studies. You've all heard about it, right? They've been distributed to all the doctors in the country, right? No. It's suppressed. Why? It will cancel the because it will cancel the emergency use authorization, the vaccines will be pulled. By law, they cannot have this vaccine if we have therapeutics that work. Their uh, power. And ultimately, it makes you less fearful. Oh, it's just something I can treat now. So they can't control you and lock you down and shut down your business.
1: Or your employment. A lot of people are now being infected. Uh, you know, if you're going to work for us, you're going to have to be in... Uh, you know,
0: I, I put a link in here um from the Association of Physicians, the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons that's for both lay people and doctors, that it is a brilliant link. It actually lays out all the evidence, it actually gives treatment guidelines and protocols, it shows explains it and accurately explains. Understand, I said more than a year ago that this virus did not deserve a vaccine to start with. It wasn't serious enough. 99.5% of the population survive it. The only ones who die at a higher rate than less than like 0.0% are people who are over 75 and have serious health problems already. Everybody else recovers at a high high rate. Children, anybody under 20 have essentially zero risk of death from this thing. But here what else what your government has done? They have completely opened the southern border. In just the last 30 days, 200,000 illegal immigrants, migrants have entered the country, documented tens of thousands of them are COVID-active positive, and the government, with your tax dollars, ships them to states all over the country without the consent of the states or the cities they're put in, drops them off into those communities, but they really want to stop the spread of COVID. And what could go wrong? And if they really believe these vaccines are safe and effective, are they vaccinating all these people before they send them out in the country? No, they're not. Does that make sense to anybody? We want to stop this thing. We really care about our people. We want to but we're going to bring in in this in this 12 months, we're going to have 2 million illegal aliens come into this country. Many of them covid positive, actively infected. Just distribute, because we really want to stop the spread. I'm just pointing out to you, they're lying to us. They are not interested in stopping the spread of COVID. They're interested in controlling your mind and undermining your individuality. So more than than any of this... They also create an experimental injection, get emergency use authorization for something with no long-term safety data and then vilify conscientious people who want to live in harmony with God's principles for their lives as enemies of the state and seek to get you to join forces to use the power of the state to compel, to pressure, to coerce those who are not yet persuaded in their own mind to take it. We are living out in the very perilous times that the Adventist church has been warning the world against forever, but the ten virgins, wise and foolish, are asleep. They're asleep because nobody has said, Sunday, to wake them up.
1: And they're going along with it.
0: And many of the people in church are going along, willing to use these methods, Recognize it, folks. It's your character. It's your mind. You're determining which God you will worship, who you will be loyal to, who you will become like by the method you practice and how you treat others. If you believe in the vaccine, great. Then just present the evidence in love and leave people free to decide for themselves. That's the method of God. Yes, final question
1: they say Sunday you know, they're not going to make it religious they're going to say it's good for the
0: environment it's good for the family it's for the poor all that stuff so when you, so how can you argue with it? that's the point compelling consciences of people is beastly it's not God's method the people of God, truth, love, leave others free let's close with prayer and then we'll do our Q&A time gracious Father in heaven we are absolutely living in perilous times The whole world is uh, being incited with with fears uh, based on all types of misrepresentation, distortion, the truth. Oh, the people are hungry. They're thirsting for truth. It's so hard to find in the land these days, Lord. We ask that you will continue to open avenues for the message to get out there, to send your spirit and angels to the hearts and minds that are sensitive to truth and want to know the truth. May they find the places they can get it. May you hold back the forces uh, of evil that need to be held back for the final message to lighten the world to prepare the people so that you can come soon. We see we 're in that time, Lord, and if any of us are caught up in circumstances, give us the wisdom, the discernment, and the and the peace of heart and mind to know that if we are facing a fiery furnace that you will stand there with us and we won 't be let go, Amen. and you will hold us and bring us through the other side and, and perhaps through through those troublesome times you will reach people like nebuchadnezzar who who was so confused by his false systems, but but when he saw the truth, he turned to it. There are millions out here who need the witness of your people. Prepare us to know when we need to stand and, and then give us the courage and strength to do so, practicing your methods and loving, loving those who would throw us in the furnace. Lord, we pray in your holy name. Amen.